spending time with yourself allows the, like you said, the subconscious to start coming through, but it allows us to have our subconscious and our conscious come together for a second and be one with each other and start to acknowledge all of the things that you were either feeling during the day that weren't aligning all of the, the work or conversations that you were doing that didn't go well, that weren't aligning that come from a more of a, a safe space, I guess you, you give yourself the safe space to think freely. And I'm such a passionate believer in that, that ability. And I just shared this quote the other day about separating ourselves from our phone, but this is just life where it says all of man's problems stem from our inability to sit with our own thoughts. Welcome back everyone to the Modern Mask Unity Podcast, a space designed to help redefine what it means to be a man in the modern era. Our aim with this podcast is to support men on their journey towards becoming the best possible version of themselves by providing insight, support, perspective, and most importantly, a safe space to live authentically within a community of conscious kings. We'll be discussing topics such as toxic masculinity, men's mental health, personal relationships, personal development tips, and powerful guest appearances. What is going on, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of the Modern Masculinity Podcast, a space designed to help redefine what it means to be a man in the modern era. I'm your co-host, CK. And it's Anwar Ahmed. And today we have a really powerful conversation revolving around men's mental health and our careers, our jobs, and the impact that they often have on us as men. But before we do that, you know what time it is. Hey, yo, 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 Coach Kyle. What's going on, man? How you doing today? Sometimes I feel like I want to be a singer just because of this mood check vibe, you know? Like, I go home and I'm like, uh, 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 just singing away. Yeah, that's my life. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's, yeah. Just, it's not just here. I've give been us a doing bar it. Uh, we're practicing. <laughs> like, listen, it's, uh, I, I, only, not I feel show, like I folks. can only really sing when there's like, there's the shower head, there's mm. hot water. I don't know. Maybe that's just my my arena. Maybe that's my concert. But like right now, I, you know, do you need a song I don't need to be judgment. playing in the back, background to do that, or can you just go? Do I need what? Do you need a song in the background? Sometimes, to yeah, sing too? yeah, yeah. Sometimes, sometimes I go acapella. Sometimes, like the shower is. I'm at my best when I'm in the shower. That's never where I, understood that. I don't know. What I'm it at is. my best never in the sung shower. In the shower, you don't sing in the shower. No, I sing in my car. Right. Okay. Yeah, I'm a car, car. A car is probably the second best place. Yeah. It might even be a tie. It might be a one A and one B kind of thing. Like mm. the car and the shower trigger triggers Mariah Carey for me. Like that's, <laughs> I just feel alive in both mm. those areas. But I haven't been driving in like years, so like I lost. You drive now, right? Like right. I, haven't, I haven't driven a car. Toronto, it's just you know you so walk everywhere. Off and, so yeah. shower is my place. That's why, but I forgot how much I love singing in the car, though. Mm. I know I like singing in the car, for sure. <laughs> Windows down. Ooh, you just let go. Yeah. I, I mean, is that the vibe in the shower too? You just let go. Oh yeah. Oh. You just let go. Interesting. And then you get out of this. You get out of the bathroom, and you're like, you look around at the people. You're like, I hope you guys didn't hear that. <laughs> See, that's all my thought too. I feel like there's. You live alone. You can do whatever you want. I guess that's true. I feel like it's gonna. I don't know. Nah. We'll see. I'll stick to my car singing. Thanks. Uh, my mood. How's my mood? My mood is good, man. My mood is honestly, it's really, really, really good. Um, shifting things a bit today and when we're recording, plus the combination of the weather and the sun and the lake vibes. And I was actually 
a little bit of traffic today, which actually ironically kind of felt good because mm. it was almost a representation. Like there was more people out, which gave you the feeling of normal that nothing was really happening, yeah. even though we just went into another lockdown. It's, it's so when you, when this ends up coming out, this, this is the sad moment of that 10 day stint of being open and then being closed. I got an email from my building one day saying we're pools open this weekend. You can now book in, let us know. And then less than 24 hours later, I got another email saying, <laughs> just kidding. We're actually have to close it. It's like, it didn't even get open. We didn't even have a day. So on that front, that's been unfortunate. It's been a bit of a challenging week mentally with that, but there's just false hope. Like yeah. I would be good if there was less false hope. Book in three months of, co- of quarantine. Book in three months of lockdown. I'm okay with that. That way I don't feel like we're going back and forth and I feel some kind of hope that we're coming out of it. Yeah, it feels like a toxic relationship with the government. Honestly. I f- make up your mind. Make, up, make a decision. That's all. I'm good with whatever one you do. Just one instead of limbo and then I'll be, I'll be happy, right? Mm. So it's, been a, it's, it's a constant mental health battle. You know, of, of what do I do now? What it's really been I a Toronto now? thing too, oh, right? 100%. Like, for anybody that's listening, we are, we're, in, we're in Toronto, we're in Ontario, and we are by far the worst province in Canada this entire time. They're saying North America. <laughs> and Oh, yeah, that's right. They're you, saying North even America. Even the states are saying like, what's going on up there? Ontario, what are you doing? <laughs> it's, yeah, it's, it's been at least the one thing I mean, talking about mental health here, at least like. So I, in some capacity, we're kind of used to it at this point. Very I, true. You know, I, I, I'm used to being let down. <laughs> like, like it's, it's, it's sad to say, but they opened the gyms for a week and then shut it down before. That was when I, you know, it was, you know, that was fool hard. me once. Shame on, was it, was it go fool me once, shame on you. 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 Fool, fool me, me twice, twice shame, shame on me. me. I made sure that wasn't going to happen. This time I didn't even get excited. I didn't even go to a patio. The 10 <laughs> days that it was open, I didn't even, <laughs> did I didn't even do anything. I was like, I'm not falling for this. <laughs> Let me know when it's, first of all, it's still cold out. Like, what was the point? My thing is, you know, what really bothers me is you open up patios. That's all that can open up. It's really not that nice out right now. We're forcing it. So why did you proactively open in a season where it shouldn't have even been open anyways, and then you close it in 10 days? False hope. What was the point of that? Like, you could have opened in June when the weather actually is a little bit more appropriate for it, or like when the weather was actually nice for it. And then it would have been like, but no, to to tease people like that it's like hey i know it's cold still but and the desperation everyone opened they were like oh i'll take it i don't care that it's cold people wear jackets i remember walking past the patio and a girl was like guys it's freezing outside but you're still on the patio and the restaurants were opening they're like we're desperate we'll do it and then you shut it down in 10 days it's like what are you doing man what are you doing who where are the decision makers i want to be in these meetings I also want to be in the meeting of the NCAA that thought that that like that weight rack was a good enough gym for the like. Yeah. Let me see the meeting. How did that look? How did that? Yeah, this will pass. This will be good. The world that we live in today. How did that get past multiple people? It's so hilarious, man. Sometimes it feels intentional. Like sometimes it just feels like there's a there's almost a purpose behind it. And I'm not saying it's okay. I'm just saying like it it doesn't make any sense. So there's got to be some other agenda. There's got to be another agenda because it doesn't, there's no, no sense making out of it. None. Right. Like that would make more sense to me that it was intentional. Right. For whatever reason, again, I don't know, but the world is a pretty crazy place. So mm-hmm. it could be anything. Anyways, we're getting a little off topic. Let's talk, let's stop talking about COVID. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We don't, it's not, not worth our energy. Um, 
that's my mood. I feel good. I feel fantastic. The week's been great. Uh, a lot of good progress. I feel like I'm on a great in a great position. I have a lot on the mind, but I'm balancing it all well. Finding mm-hmm. a good harmony every day, so I feel good. How are you? What's your mood? What's your mood? I'm doing good. I I feel like I've gotten a bit of my swagger back. I feel like I've gotten a little bit of my mojo back. I don't know if it's the weather. I don't know if it's... I always kind of feel this way around March. Mm. Every year, I can always depend on March. Season's like, changing. And and not only does the season change, but like so many people that I love and respect and care about, a big chunk of my family's birthdays are in March. And so it's like you start the... It's almost like I get realigned with things that matter to me. The weather changes, my mom's birthday, dad's birthday, both my sisters are like, you know, end of March, beginning of April, my birthday comes up. So it's always, I've always said, if I can get to March every single year, it's always just an uphill battle because it's it's so good nice. in March. And then I know the weather just keeps getting better after that. And then you're in this like runway until August pretty much, you know? So um, yeah, I'm just excited for when we can, you know, do things outside again and like, you know, play basketball and do sports and just like all these things that don't necessarily need an indoor vibe. We don't need permission to be there, you know? Um, so yeah, I think I got my swagger back. I'm feeling good. I'm feeling excited. Um, and then the fact that we're speaking about careers, I'm just, I'm feeling a little bit more aligned in my work. You know, I'm feeling a little bit more like something is clicking. It's, it's, um, it hasn't been beautiful up until this part. Like there's been a lot of learning curves. It's been steep, but there's been a click something has clicked things are making a little bit more sense to me um and so i think that that's also contributed to why i feel like i got my swagger back i feel like i'm understanding uh, how to exert my energy um within my work and that's helping it's Mm. helping it's helping me um keep some of that energy for myself where when you're depleting it all for your career you got nothing for yourself and you do that long enough and you're just hoping something clicks so that you can get some of that time back Mm -hmm. you know so you're spending less time on um things that you know you should know by now kind of thing um so that's definitely contributed to me having my swagger back too and and i enjoyed our clubhouse that we had that week uh, the other week i felt like i learned something from other people um someone said in the the, our clubhouse um thinking habits Mm. And, you know, I think that I've, I've got to be able to see some of my thinking habits within my work and what I'm doing and figure out where my, I guess, my bottlenecks are in my thinking of how I'm thinking about the, the work. And it's freed up a little bit of like mental um, energy and it's, it's been good. So all, for all those reasons, I'm feeling, I feel, I'm feeling really good. Um, and the vitamin D is nice. It is. Yeah, it is. Blue skies. It's been it's been nice to us. It's definitely been nice to us. It's one of my favorite things about living in Toronto is not only is it sunny, but it's a warmer sunny. Mm-hmm. You know, like it's a little bit less sun than the West. The West gets a substantial amount more of sun, but it's cold. Mm-hmm. It's not like a warm sun. Yeah. Right. And that's the challenge. You feel good because it's like vitamin D, but you can't really go outside. So you got to get through the window here. You can go for walks. You put on a light coat, light sweater, and you can go for walks. One of my favorite things. One thing I actually want to, I have two questions, not two questions. I have one question, but I wanted to let everybody know we are on Clubhouse now. Right. So if you just head over to Clubhouse, shameless plug for a moment, we're having men's mental health conversations every second Sunday. Mm -hmm. So come on there, join us. Uh, We're going to be promoting that on our Instagram as well. So you can find us. There's a room for it. We'd love if you would be there and be a part of the conversation. Coming back to what you said about where you are currently at with your swagger and you feeling better about that space for you. Obviously, I've been involved and been recognizing the whole process, but for everybody else, obviously, they can't see your personal life and see what you're doing. I know there was a big change, but I'd love if you would share what changed from 
where you felt like it wasn't clicking and now you feel like it is, it, it is clicking? Was there one moment or one specific thing that changed or was it accumulation of things? Was it something that you started to do consistently? Was it just accumulation of the time? What has helped you feel the way you feel today in that specific space in your career? It's a very, very, very good question. And unfortunately, I don't think there's a direct answer to the question. It's an accumulation of a bunch of different things. Just like, you know, that, that saying of like your ducks, like ducks in a row, mm-hmm. like it's just one of those moments where you just, the ducks start to kind of like form, mm-hmm. you know, they're going every it's which direction. And I think the stress is that like trying to get them in a row, like pushing that one over here. And then like, and you're constantly your brain, you wake up and it's just that every day, you know, mm-hmm. trying to get the ducks in a row. And at some point it just, they just they just line up and you're just, you almost understand what's going on. And a couple moments, you know, one great conversation I had with a friend, um, she had said something to me that started the process of things clicking. And the one line that she said to me was, I was telling her about some of my struggles with, you know, what I'm working with and all that kind of stuff. And she just said a simple line. She just said that, you know, sometimes, sometimes when things are confusing, you just got to take an interest in others, take an interest in what, like less about what you're doing and more about like, cause I'm in recruitment. Right. Right. And in recruitment, it's very easy to just see resumes and see like work and not see individuals. Right. Mm-hmm. Because you're screening so many things, you're screening so many people. And what you lose sight of is you start thinking two years of experience, three years of experience, four years of experience, SAS experience. You start thinking about logistics and you get out of thinking about people. And mm-hmm. so one thing that she said that clicked for me was she said, slow down and just like take an, take an interest in someone. And when you start seeing the names again and you start, you stop seeing what they're doing, it brought the humanness back in, which brought my comp because I'm good at the human side of things. I'm not good at the right. technical side of things. Like the reason why I love recruitment is that I'm able to leverage my people skills, right? And so getting back on that side of the equation was a big shift. That was one big shift from something directly that she said. I don't know if that's going to help the audience, but it's it's what, like, because I'm a recruiter, that's why that, you know, that piece of advice helped me. I would say so, though, not to interject here, but, well, to interject, I don't know why we say not to, not to interrupt when we're interrupting, mm-hmm. but I think that that would help, and it even helps me being a life coach, right? Because sometimes in this position, I don't feel like I'm in it that often because I, my requirement is to be the people person but sometimes in any business you get so caught up in logistics you forget you're working with people and i think that's a huge stressor sometimes because you lose focus and lose sight of the humanity behind the people that are around you and you just see them as roles you just see them as writing on a piece see of paper a task yeah, you see that you see them literally the human as a task this and phone call is a task i'm calling somebody it's incredibly disconnected Mm-hmm. Right. But we, we all fall, I think, into that trap at one point because we get wrapped up in career and success and moving forward and accomplishing more. It's hard to find sometimes the balance or even think that that's what's going to get me maybe there sometimes. So I think that's really valuable. I just wanted to share that. Please continue. Mm-hmm. No, and I think that like once I started seeing kind of once I started getting back to the basics of what I was doing, you know, once I started getting back to um, the idea that, hey, let's Let's get back to, you know, let's get back to kiss. Keep it simple. You know what I mean? Let's keep it, keep it simple, stupid. Um, and it, and it's, it's, it was just, I think I was overdoing it. I think I was overcompensating and I was overthinking everything and I'm a natural overthinker, you know? And so, um, what made, you, what made you, what made that click for you just before you move on? What made it click for you that you were overdoing it? 
was there like a, uh, something that was straining you? Was there a lack of results? Was there someone else that told you that? How did you know that that was something you were even doing? Was it that conversation with that girl? Maybe I'm, maybe I'm just asking the same question. Uh, it's a bit, it's a bit of the same, same question, but she allowed me to start seeing what I was doing. She shifted my perspective. That's what she did. Right. Cause when you, when you come into work every single day and you have the same perspective, you're most of the time going to leave with the same outcome. Yeah. Right. So she allowed me to like come to the desk and bring a different headspace to the desk. Now the simple part was something that, you know, like, like my boss ultimately just kind of said, like when you need to, you need you're like, he basically just straight up said, you need to focus on kiss. You're, you're, you're not doing enough kiss right now. You're mm. overthinking everything. And so when he said that it, I know that my personality is an overthinker. So it was more of just like, it was more of a reminder that, Hey, you're going back into that place that you go all the time. Uh, Come back. It's like a snap back into reality. Exactly. And that's why I think self-awareness is so brilliant, right? Because when you're aware of who you are as a person, those, those things don't hit you as a trigger as much as it does as a reminder, right? If, if, if I don't know that about myself, then I might respond in a way that's like reactive, you know, you're wrong. What do you mean? Yeah, absolutely. You know, where you go back into the place of just like, you know, hey, you're overthinking this. If I already know that about myself, I go, yeah, 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 I probably am overthinking this. You know what I mean? Versus like trying to fight my way out against that. And so um, him reminding me that, you know, you're overthinking things and you don't figure it out right away. It's just it lives now in your mind, right? Like someone has told you you're overthinking things. So when you're doing your work, you're like, you're probably over. Like if I, you get to a point where you're thinking about it, you're, like, you're probably overthinking this. Like what's a simpler version of this? What's a simpler version of this? And I think the blend between those two things of like getting back to making it simple and getting back to caring about who is on the other line that I'm about to call. Not I have 30 calls to make. Who is this, this person that I'm calling and why am I calling them? What's the interest here? Oh, hey, you do this thing and I'm working with a company that does this thing. Tell me more about that and let the, like we do in this podcast, you could easily be thinking about a bunch of answers right now or you could be listening to me. What I was doing for like months was just thinking about what I was saying back. Mm. And unfortunately, when you're in recruitment, if you don't, if you're not paying attention, if you miss what they say, you miss the mark. Mm. Right. And so um, those two things definitely kind of. And then we got a little bit more of a competition going in the office. We got a little bit more of a competition vibe going. We didn't have that before. Um, that, we that's, a little, your, that's your stuff right there. We had a little competition that kind of came about where we, you know, just friendly that kind of ranked, you know, like the deals that were closing and like, you know, we just and it, it's all friendly and stuff like that. And and that that created enough of a of a um, competitive. It got my competitive juices going again, but. It, can, it made me competitively like, I need to figure this out because of the competition now and in a healthy way, in a good way, you know? I think I told you I'm appropriately pissed off. Mm, right. I think that's what I told you word for word. I said, I'm appropriately pissed off. And I think the word appropriate is the, the right word because when you're pissed off and there's no, there's no aim for your anger, there's no, there, you haven't like quantified what you're pissed off about. You haven't done the measurements. You're just pissed off then it could lead you down many different paths. But it's very, comp- it was very intentional. The competition you know where me, it's going. Yeah, it yeah. made me appropriately pissed off. <laughs> it's like you lost a drill and you were just trying to like win the next drill, you know? Mm. Um, and it has, it has no, like it's no ill will to anybody. It's just, you know, it's the pressure that you want to put on yourself to succeed. It's the right level of push. Um, but yeah, great question. It's, it's, I do, I genuinely feel like and it, the the thing to take away from the feeling side of it is I feel lighter. I feel like I'm holding less. 
and it's not that, you know, I told my roommate the other day, I said, dude, I'm still stressed out, but I feel light in the stress. There's a difference between feeling heavy in stress and feeling light in stress. I still have a lot of work I got to do. It's not like I'm doing less hours now. All of a sudden, that's something that's clicked. No, no, no. I'm like, I'm ready to still do the hours that I was putting in. But how I feel in those hours, is it like the weight of the world is on my shoulders? Or does it feel like I'm just like, it's a long sprint, but it's, I'm light. It feels like it's like, you know, and I just feel like I've gotten lighter and there's still room to get even lighter, but there was a huge burden I was holding for a while there that I just couldn't figure out how to get off. Um, and those are the, those are the ones that like, I feel like make you think about quitting or think about, you start thinking about other things when that weight is just on you for too long mm-hmm. and carrying it for too long and you just want to put the backpack down. You're like, I can't do it anymore, man. I got to put this freaking backpack down. It's just too heavy. But I feel like I had the backpack on, but someone just took some weights out of it. And I'm like, whoa, whoa, that's lighter. And I, I actually don't, I don't, the things that have clicked, they're not going to unclick. They're here now. I know them. I'm like, oh, so that weight's not going to, no one can put that weight back in my backpack. It's gone. So it's just a matter of getting this backpack, even maybe a little bit lighter. But that big chunk, I feel like it just left. And that feels, it feels great. It feels really good. I love that. Appreciate you sharing. Yeah, I, I love the luggage concept of life. When you know, we're walking through life and we're holding so much baggage in our, it, or our luggage, whatever framework you want to use. And a lot of the times we just don't recognize that we can just set that down and keep walking. Like you don't actually have to carry what you're carrying. It's not always necessary. You're carrying it with unconsciously you actually don't know there's luggage being in your arms you don't know there's that you could maybe attach some wheels to it so it's a little easier you know you don't know you can do those things but sometimes it does just take the idea of knowing that oh okay i can i don't need that shirt mm-hmm. you know i can take that out i don't i don't need the that that pair of pants you know i can i can pack lighter and i'm still in a, an incredible position i don't need all of this stuff it's kind of like the minimalist mindset i guess but with with our with our stuff with our baggage <laughs> to piggyback um, on before we kind of get to the next topic here to piggyback on that luggage thing i think it's really cool and an interesting thing to think about is thinking about how to put the luggage down versus thinking about how to continue to carry it because carrying it for long periods of time it's a good skill set i think a lot of people adopt that skill set but the reality is that we want to put it down right so what are we learning right if 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 you're training yourself to just carry more and this is a i feel like it's a very man thing to do if you're like if your bag is heavy and in your mind you're strategizing around how to carry the bag for the rest of your life that's not really the goal here we're trying to put the bag down right and and that the putting the bag down is like how do you go take care of yourself how do you go do this how do you go it's not about because it you people people reward us for carrying a bunch of shit on our backs let's let's call it frank it's almost like for some reason, we like praise the people that can carry so much. Why? Right. At the end of the day, carrying things is breaking you down, right? It's crazy when you hear someone who's been a bodybuilder their whole entire life go on TV. Um, I was watching a Joe Rogan podcast, and this, this dude who's basically been known for deadlifting goes on, and he goes, deadlifting is the dumbest thing. You shouldn't do it. I've seen that. I remember that. Yeah, yeah. Right? So it's, it's like- hilarious. So just let's reframe how we- If that person who literally is known for being that- said you shouldn't deadlift because of the the this the risk reward isn't worth it then then these people that are rewarding you for carrying a bunch of stuff think about like think about you it's not actually worth carrying 17 luggages just because you can do it doesn't mean that it's worth it same way that just because you can deadlift 
doesn't mean that it's worth it. Mm. Cause the risk of carrying that much weight for that long is just, it's just emotionally draining, mentally mm-hmm. draining, physically draining. And that's what I think that you should, you should strategize around. How do I get this luggage on? How do I get wheels for this luggage? So it's less to hold. And if you focus more on that, then you're actually like productively thinking in my opinion, because you're actually making yourself lighter, which makes you more available for other things, mm-hmm. other more important things. Um, absolutely. And I just want to repeat what you said. The goal is to let it put it down because a lot of things we carry around unnecessarily. And you're right. The unfortunate part is, is the heavier, the burden, the heavier, the praise. And it's a really, really hard space to be in. Cause you think you need to take on more as a man. You think you need to have a heavier load more on your back, bend over and have the literal globe that, you know, that depiction of, yeah. Oh, yeah. I don't know who that is, but the depiction of carrying the entire world on our backs is real. Like that's reality. Sometimes I feel like I'm almost aspiring for that. Yeah. Right. Which is wild to me. And that is our core. We actually think that's a good thing. Yeah. I feel like I need to do that sometimes. And uh, I really have to do a lot of inner work to not go there. It's, it actually stresses me out sometimes trying to figure out which direction to go more on my back or where I'm at. Just be where I'm at. Like, why can't I just be where I'm at? Why do I have to add more? more weight. I don't need to. It's almost literally the analogy of working out. Sometimes putting on more weight doesn't necessarily always mean it's the best decision or that you're stronger or that you're really that much. Yeah. Cause a lot of the time, this is actually a great part of the conversation too, is it's, it's ego lifting. So almost for me now, it's if I'm trying to add in more and make it heavier, it's almost ego driven Mm -hmm. because then, cause you're want the praise the praise will be more the more i can do it so my ego is yes praise yes validation it wanted so badly that that's all that was a wild realization i just had that's fantastic wow okay beautiful good conversation i love that no it's there's so many parallels there there's so many parallels and i like that you brought it back to the weight room because that is a great example just because you lift something heavy doesn't make you the strongest person in this room that person who's lifting that 20 pound dumbbell over and over and over again consistently every single day their joints are healthy like they're probably going to last longer than you too that's the other crazy part is that you're doing less and they're probably going to last longer than you you're doing so much and you're not going to last that long Mm -hmm. because at that clip you're not going to be able to maintain that you know it's it's and life is a marathon it's not a sprint Coming back to what you said before we move on, was there a component of self-care that changed as well in regards to your, I guess, a ducks coming in a row? The question I really wanted to ask was, what are the ducks? That was my, that was going to be my real question. You have all these ducks in a row. What were the ducks that finally aligned in a row? So you can answer that question or the other one, which is did self-care or how did self-care or if it did, how did it play a part in this ducks aligning? Was it a duck or was it? already good and everything else aligned around it well the uh, the the ducks that were lining up there for me were a lot just like all the things within the the job that i do oh okay so like let's not like not like exercise food like those weren't the ducks that were lining up it was more so like all the different parts of my job and bringing them together Mm. so that like you're just you come into work and you know everything that you know how it all connects you know, gotcha. you know how all the different parts of your job and how they all kind of intertwine and like they bleed together and you go, oh, 
that's why I do that to go to that, to do this, to do this. Like, it's almost like it all just connected where every day I was coming in and it was like trying to figure out an algebra equation. It's like, I know why I do everything individually, but how are they woven together? And how can I just show up and be one person? And I do, I, cause you wear many hats in the seat that I'm in. Mm-hmm. And so how do I like be the person who knows how to wear all those hats and how to just tune in and out, how to click into, okay, I'm talking to a client now, I'm talking to a candidate now, I'm talking, you know, how do you figure out how all the worlds work together and who you gotta be in every moment? Um, it was like, I was learning four different scripts and I was like, had, it to, had to be four different actors and every time I would do it, I was just like, I couldn't be one actor who did four things. I was four actors and it was bothering me. Or I, I, it, took me just, it just took me some time to figure it out. Uh, but the self-care thing that did change was a hard end. I learned a hard end. Um, and I actually was, the, what I was doing is I started leaving my, um, I was leaving the office around like like 10-ish, um, which is just like the hours that I'm putting in. And to me, it's just like, it's not all work hours. It's like sometimes I'm learning about the job too. And it's just, you know, and work, I've always said for me, work ethic has never been the problem. It's how long is it gonna take me to learn what I need to do? Cause I'm always, I'm always good at putting in the work. It doesn't bother me, it, it excites me to know where I'm going. But I've been finishing at 10 and just leaving everything that I work on at the office. I left my laptop. I left everything knowing that like I'm going to be back tomorrow morning. But then it like because I don't even have my laptop in my bag, it's almost like my brain says like, oh, it's not even possible for us to do any more work anymore. It's not even physically possible. The laptop's at, you know, and if there is something I need to do, I have my phone. So I have a backup. Um, and then I go home and I've been going home and just like focusing on the wind down. Um, I've been stretching every single night. I've been, you know, take, like taking like the taking a hot shower. Like it's been more. In, my sleeping has been more intense. Like I've been ending the day with a lot more intention, and it's not. I haven't been bleeding things together, and that hard stop, hard hard start has helped. It really has helped because um, I go from like working in the job to working like subconsciously on like what went well today, and like so while I'm showering, I'm almost like breaking down the day, and I'm thinking about, and I think that like. That's why it clicked because I took some time away from thinking about the job and I was like being who I am and metaphorically trying to piece it together in moments that didn't involve me doing the job. Not figuring out the job on the job, but subconsciously figuring out the job, like figuring out the job in the shower, you know, or figuring out the job while I'm doing my laundry and like thinking about like, why is that so hard for me? Like, why am I struggling with that? But I'm not like at the desk trying to figure it out with the stress of it. I'm like folding my laundry and thinking about like, why is that so hard for me to like, why am I struggling with that? What's going on? Oh, so I think I just had like way more aha moments because I was just like, I'm not doing that work anymore. I'm just going to go home. And then my subconscious started taking over and like piecing it together. Um, That's been definitely something that like, and now I can't, I'm like, I'm so sold on that. I'm so sold on the hard end that it's like, I can't go back. I can't like, I just need to like cut it off. Like you don't need me anymore after 10. Sorry. Like what is my job going to do for like, there's only so much you can stare at the screen and try to force yourself to figure it out. You just got to step away and let the subconscious do its thing sometimes. You know what I mean? And I think that like, because I've for two weeks, I've been forcefully subconsciously cutting it off in that two weeks. I figured out more than I have in like the last seven months because I've just like, have not been trying to figure it out. Like you need to figure out this math equation right now. And the pressure is on right now. That in that stress, I wasn't figuring it out. It was when I shut it down. I stopped, went away, did my own thing. Um, I love that. And I knew you did that, but I knew the audience would find value from that process because, I mean, you can pull so many different things out of what you just said. But for me, what I'm listening to, what I'm hearing is 
Andrew Huberman, if for those that don't know, Google Andrew Huberman. He's a neuropsychologist, neuroscientist, and he shares a lot about our ability to focus and what we're retaining when we focus and the the opportunities that we often block. And he does say that there is a point where we feel like we have attention and focus, but we're actually already tapped out and we're just not conscious of it. So we force ourselves into the environment more and more thinking we're going to learn more and more when a lot of the time we don't actually retain anything. So the more hours we spend, let's say that 10 to 12 that you stopped working, the reality of it is how much were you retaining from the 10 to 12 is the hardest part, even though you were in the environment of learning and you were trying to focus on learning. A lot of times we're tapped out mentally. There's Mm -hmm. only so much our brain will allow us to do. And to pull out of that, there's also the uh, mindset that spending time with yourself allows the like you said, the subconscious to start coming through, but it allows us to have our subconscious and our conscious come together for a second and be one with each other and start to acknowledge all of the things that you were either feeling during the day that weren't aligning, all of the the work or conversations that you were doing that didn't go well, that weren't aligning, that come from a more of a, a safe space, I guess. You, you give yourself the safe space to think freely. And I'm such a passionate believer in that, that ability and I just shared this quote the other day about separating ourselves from our phone, but this is just life where it says all of man's problems stem from our inability to sit with our own thoughts. And we like to fill our time, especially as men, we like to fill our time with work and tasks and building something, creating something constantly. And we never give ourselves time to sit with our own thoughts. But you're a testament to that right now. You gave yourself time to sit with your own thoughts and just be instead of do. And sure enough, the doing was improved, whether Mm -hmm. it was at work or even just being a human being. You were able to have a more holistic approach just by giving yourself time to think freely. So I love that. And I just really wanted, I don't know if you saw it that way, but I just wanted everybody else as well to see that part of it because the conversation we're having today is about our jobs and our career and our mental health and we'll continue into a lot of the of the effects but i think that's just one big one is we believe somehow that we add on more work like we talked about heavier burden we add on more stress we add on more and if we can overcome that then more people will praise us and through that whole time we're sacrificing so much Mm -hmm. we're giving away so much time freedom mental space mental health relationship abilities abilities to connect not just with ourselves but with other people we give so much away and i think it's a it's an testament to our desire for achievement and not our desire for progress and so I think there's, again, I'm pulling so many different things from what you're saying. And that's why I loved so much. No, so I, I wanted you, to share it. I think you tied it, tied it all together very nicely. You know, and the, the one line that you said there that really stuck out to me is the being versus the doing. That is, you know, when you forget that, when you forget to be instead of do, when you're just doing, 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 because you think that doing one more thing is going to actually make it easier. But the reality is, is that, I think that like when you got to get back to being the secrets, the, the one secret sauce to all of it too was when you are being and things click, what comes from clicking is confidence and confidence is ultimately the, the thing that will, if any, if there is someone that said one thing, Anwar, that you think makes you successful, I would say confidence 
Because it doesn't really matter at the end of the day what you know or what you don't know. Because if you are confident in your ability to do something about it, then we could get there. And when you lack confidence or the tasks that you've kind of put on your plate make you insecure, they make you shrink, they make you feel unconfident. And in the pandemic, we've struggled because we have nowhere else to get confidence from. I can't get a haircut that makes you feel good. I can't go, all the things that you do to get that swagger or get that confidence back. So there was, you know, obstacle was the way for me. I had to get through what was in front of me because the only way I could find confidence was to get over this task that was burdening me. Mm-hmm. Because I couldn't, all the other areas, my confidence were closed. Doors closed, doors closed. You know, shout out Doug Ford, shutting all the confidence doors down. But the reality. If you you want a haircut, let me know. I feel like I'm killing the game here. Yeah. Listen, y'all don't like the Frodo? (laughs) Jeez. I'm feeling the the 2000 Kobe Fro, man. I'm I'm actually liking it. Like, at this point, I don't want to get a haircut because then now I got to maintain a haircut. Right. Right, and you, and that's what, how I actually feel. And I shave my head. I feel like I got to maintain this thing. It's wild. My friends, let's talk about mental health and the sponsor of this podcast. This episode is sponsored by Tether, a peer-enabled mental health and well-being platform for men. Tether helps men find meaning and purpose through community accountability pods and a 24-7 support network. Tether invites us all to be a part of changing the face of masculinity and letting every man know that struggling and vulnerability doesn't make you any less of a man. It simply makes you human. And for me, I've had a lot of personal experience with this app. I've used it many times. I've shared a lot of vulnerable moments. I've shared some strength moments, some exciting moments. The app is open for everyone to simply just share. And like it said in the introduction, a peer-enabled space where we're supporting each other without any pressure to fix, just simply to honor each other's journey. They also just added in a conscious content section where they're sharing podcasts they're sharing blog posts it is a really powerful space so we really want to implore you and encourage you to download it from the app and google store it is tether t-e-t-h-r available on both app stores join the community i promise you will not regret it so i know that your your journey you know with your career and stuff like that has has probably had some ups and downs with your confidence. You know, I know that you've, hasn't been a perfect straight line, hasn't been a perfect road. So like, do you align with the the confidence and like, you know, being able to think that if you're confident enough, you can do anything that you want to do. And when you're not confident, you're you're shell of yourself and that your mental health kind of wavers or how was your kind of career path to, to where you are now and where you came from and how was your confidence within it all? Uh, well, I'll touch on the confidence thing. I think from my perspective, I have always strived to be that kind of person who knew that they would find the answer if they didn't know the answer. Right. Right. So that, I think that's attaching to that confidence side. It's, it's, it's sometimes it's hard to be okay with not knowing the answer, but I always try to reframe it in that way. I think my initial response is, you suck, you don't know the answer, you're like you can't figure this out right now. And then I reframe every single time and say, but you'll find it or you'll do something to, do, to figure that out. And I like that level of confidence. I think sometimes it's not always the instant response. I feel like sometimes the, maybe the conditioned 
response comes through and then the second one is the one i really want to feel and i want to mold into so it's almost like a character trait of just cultivating that over and over again and not just talking the talk i guess walking the walk as often as possible one thing i like about the confidence conversation too that i just remembered is i just read this quote it was a reminder or i don't even know it's a quote it was a statement is when you're trying something new just because it's hard doesn't mean you're not good at it or that you aren't capable of accomplishing that mm-hmm. it just simply means you're new and you're learning that's literally the only thing that that means mm-hmm. and so i think sometimes we just take that personally and i know i have to where i come across something specific that's brand new to me and i don't know how to do it and i feel like because i don't know how to do it, it almost like i should mm-hmm. and so I attack myself a little bit and play a little guilt and shame game of, come on, like you don't know how to do that. Really? And I, I feel I, like it's attack on the confidence a little bit. hundred percent. And I heard a podcast one time, a person said um, that if you're trying something and you're frustrated, don't quit, slow down. Mm. I like that. It's, 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 it's not a, it's not a quitting game. It's a, you're going too fast. You're trying to understand it too fast. If you don't understand it, stop and slow down slow do down. it again slower mm. and when i heard like that's like one of the same thing that you're kind of saying there too it's just like you know you're so frustrated the frustration comes from like the speed of what you're trying to learn something at absolutely you're trying to go so fast <laughs> and it's sometimes it's not quit it's slow down i'll counter you with another quote okay. clearly we're doing quote city today okay, it's let's just, go. Sim- just really simple what do you got exactly what you just said it's i've said this before in other podcasts it's slow down to speed up Exactly. Right. The, the ironic paradox of that obviously is like, why would I slow down and how would that help me speed up? But you just said it perfectly because when we were too quick, we're frustrated when we're trying to get things too fast. We don't actually get there. We've actually put ourselves farther behind. There's no retaining. There's no confidence built. There's no character built. It's just, oh, I accomplished it. <laughs> but how? What happened in the process? Who did you become? Who Can did you, do you it have again? to become? Can you do it again? Right. I love that. I love that. We're gonna have a, we're gonna have a quote competition here soon, I think. Yeah, I plead the fifth. You win. <laughs> uh, to come back full circle to your question on career and mental health. So, for those that don't know, I'm a life coach and aspiring speaker. Actually, something I don't often speak on. I'm manifest that more. Aspiring right. speaker. I want to be on stages. That's my vision. But in San Diego. In San Diego, exactly. This man knows me. I will probably end up there. I will most likely end up there. Um, but coming back to it, I've sometimes I don't feel like I had a career, which is I think interesting because I feel like a career embodies something that's lifelong almost, like you do from the time you're 25 until you're 65. That's your career. But I used to work for a restaurant called Cactus Club Cafe. And so for those that are not from Canada, you might not know of this, but a lot of you might because it is, I would say, the most popular restaurant in this country, I would say, I think is a fair, a fair assessment. Bless you, Chris. Thanks, Chris. Yeah. <laughs> and I worked with them for seven or seven or so years, seven or eight years. So that would, I guess, be a stint of career. And I started when I was 19. I started as a really shy expo just pumping out food, really quiet, really shy, didn't have the confidence yet. And then the restaurant pulled it out of me. It always does. And I always used to laugh when I used to start training because I was like, they're not confident yet, but I know because I went through the same thing. Give it two months, give it a month and they'll be yelling up and down this food line. It's going to be amazing. Anyways, 
so my experience with with cactus and that whole vibe was great until it wasn't great and i think what ended up happening was just a multitude of different things that started to affect my mental health one of the biggest one was that i was i would say probably too obsessed with getting a promotion because i it happened so fast for me at the beginning i went from expo to full-time expo which is like the day side right you work nine to five to server to closer opener to being transferred to another location to be a full-time manager in like seven months it was really fast and this isn't to say like you know i'm better than anybody in the process that's just the way the company operated at that time but what i recognized was that i really thrived off the fact that i knew i was making progress i knew i was moving up and then things seemed to just kind of slow down there was a step from where i was which was a manager to an assistant general manager. That was my vision. And which is a bigger step, which is stuff, right? Which is a larger some of those step. Other, some of those other steps are a little bit more like they bleed into each other. So it, right. it, it speaks to the speed in which you're getting promoted at. Very true. Mm-hmm. And so well, I think I might have gotten lost in the idea that it wasn't that large of a step. Because when you're used to it being fast and it slows down all of a sudden, you feel something. Exactly. So there was a little bit of a disconnect, unknowing and unbeknownst to me at the time, that it would require a heck of a lot more than I was already doing to get there. So it was a long process. And essentially what I'm saying here is I actually never got the AGM position. So all the way from beginner to middle in seven or eight months, and then six years on the other side, and it never happened. And I think what that did for me was it taught me looking back on it, how I was so obsessed with the forward momentum that I forgot where I was and what I was doing here. So I was so focused on what is this next promotion? What is that going to do for me? You know, what's the financial gain that's going to come from that? What am I going to be able to accomplish? GM, regional, whatever. This was my life. I was giving my life to this restaurant. And I had completely taken myself out of, like, what are you doing right now? What, where are you at? Where's your life at? Are you even the person that would be able to accommodate that kind of role right now? That was something I never understood at the time. And so it stressed me out and it really affected my mental health because I was feeling like I wasn't good enough. And, you know, what's wrong with me? And then, of course, you don't want to blame yourself because, you know, God forbid we take responsibility for things. So then I start to blame the restaurant and I start to blame my, my surroundings and my circumstances. And once you fall into that trap, it's over. It is a dangerous and really dark, scary road. And we just don't notice it because it's easy. It's easy to blame everything else except ourselves because the truth almost always does not feel good (laughs) until it clicks, right? And so I started to work later nights thinking that spending more time there would help and log more hours as if that was going to make me more deserving of this promotion and make sure everything was perfect which hindered me from my ability to develop other people sometimes because if it wasn't perfect, then I wasn't perfect and then I wouldn't get the promotion. So that was also affecting my mental health because I was spending more time with the business and that required energy. So then you fall into the energy drink trap and you start to drink Red Bulls every single shift. And that affects your health because you're now on your peaks, right? Your, your, your roller coasters are aggressive. You really, really big highs, but then you have really big lows. So I'm sleeping all afternoon 
And it was just a, a, a really intense experience where work was my life. Even if I had in a relationship, it didn't matter. Work was my life. It, I felt, almost felt like it had to be. So I had no disconnect. I had everything enmeshed. And, you know, uh, tools of the trade or tri- not tricks of the trade, that's going to be sound terrible once I say what I want to say. But part of the restaurant process often is that you end up mixing work with relationships. So you start to date people from work. And I did that. So now there was really no disconnect. Right. right? Now, now you understand why tricks of the trade is not what I meant to say. <laughs> <laughs> However, that was just a, another challenge that I allowed into my space was this was a person I worked with. This is also the person I'm leaving with. And then I have work and it's all together. So my mental health really took a toll. There was a moment where, where everything changed and I went into deep depression for five, six months, uh, which I have expressed on here before. That was that moment where I went from a new into a new restaurant and had just broken up and I just avoided home. That was that whole role. So that's also what the job put me in. Hold on. Let me not blame the job. That's what I put myself in based on my perception of my job. Would you say that that spiral that you went down was primarily a work-driven spiral? It was like what else was going on in your, because um, I, I feel like sometimes when you go down those, those, those spirals, yep. it's, it's more, there's more, there's more areas of your life that are crumbling. Like it's the right. idea that you're not, you're not who you are in any vessel. Mm-hmm. Therefore I'm going down that road now. Right. Um, cause if every, things are good, but just work is crap, then I still see a, a good version of myself in other things. And it's mm-hmm. like, I can hang on. Do you think that there was there was other things or was it all work or? There's a lot in that. And one big thing I hear from that is as a man, I feel like my job is me. Mm. I feel like my career is me. And if I don't have one that is enough for you to validate of me being a man, then what am I? Who am I? So if I don't have this role or this like AGM, for example, then I'm just a manager. So then people will, oh, well, he's just a restaurant manager. So then my self-confidence, my self-worth starts to drop because I feel like that's not gonna be something that people will validate enough or see as being enough of a provider role or enough of a statutory role where other people will be like, whoa, like your boyfriend's in, you know, an AGM, that's fantastic. Like there's attachments that come with that, they're extensions off of. So there's so much going on in that space. It's not just I want AGM role, right? My subconscious wants more, my ego wants more. You thought that role would validate your manhood. Exactly. And I know I'm not the only one that Mm -hmm. feels that way because I know a lot of men who have fallen into that same trap. I know a lot of men who were falling in that trap in that moment and who I talk to now who are falling into this trap in this moment. And it's hard being on the outside now. At least I feel very grateful that I can support that. I think that's beautiful because I've been through that, but I understand how hard it is. I understand how quickly we are as men to say, this is my role. And almost as if that role is who we are in the world, right? We're not anything else but this role. And that's the challenge. We're just playing the role. And I think we forget that. So whatever job you have, you know, if I were to come to a men's space and we were to have a conversation, the majority of the conversation would revolve around our careers and the businesses we're running 
and all of this stuff. That's all. That's I feel like that's the main component of conversation. It's not, you know, it's not anything else. It's not mental health. It's not personal health. It's not anything else. There's such a driving force with us as men because I believe it's a lot of it has to do with the provider role, the societal provi- provider role. If you can fill that role perfectly, then you've done what you're here to do. If you can't fill that role, well, you better figure out how to because what else are you here for? And I think that's a hard thing. And I know that's a, a bit of a, um, I guess, a generalization in a sense where I'm basically saying the only reason we're here is to be the provider. That's not exactly what I'm saying, but it's such a large component of us as men operating in this world. And that's why for me in that moment to answer a bit of your question where like, where were my ducks going? There was one duck that I think was going backwards. He wasn't even swimming forwards anymore. He just stopped and I kept going and he just stayed stationary. And that was my self-care. That was my, that was my, that was the Kyle, Kyle duck. Kyle duck left. Who's Kyle? Kyle's back there. I don't know where Kyle is, but Kyle, the manager. Oh, he's here. He's good. He's right here. He hasn't moved, but Kyle, the person. Nope. He's over there. And so that you lost your identity in the role, right? I gave myself away to it. Yeah, absolutely. And it was one of the hardest things about that process was quitting. It wasn't an easy process. And what I learned is so wild that you just said that is it was so hard for me because my identity was a manager at Cactus. If anybody knew me anywhere, it was Kyle's the manager at Cactus. I know if I go there, he's going to be there. I know he'll, he'll you know be operating the night. I just know. That's a guaranteed space. And so I attached to that. My ego likes that. They know. They know they can come here. They know I'll take care of them. They know I'll do this. They know I'm running this 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 business. You know, they they know these things. Feel good about that. But then you get you feel start to feel so good about that that no one knows you for who you are anymore. You don't even know who you are anymore. I didn't know what my character was at the time. I tried, but if someone asked me, oof, I'm not quite sure what I would have had to say. I'm oh yeah yeah I'm a pretty confident person, but I probably would have said that because they called me confident, not because they're like oh what are your what are your favorite character traits about yourself. You know, not like, oh, you know, you're a really confident person, hey? Actually, yeah, I am. And it would validate that. So there's there was just no identity outside of that. So leading into what I do now as a life coach, that's all I do every damn day. <laughs> it's figure out who I am. It's constant work every single day. And I love it. It's the most incredible thing I've ever been a part of because I feel so connected to myself in all facets in all areas, mental health, personal health, um, relational health, business health, progression. One might even say that it was the overcompensation of what you were going through, right? That duck that Mm. you said was all the way in the back, you abandoned all the ducks you were chasing and you went all the way back for the one that was back there and like fully found like a a role that like supported that duck and Mm -hmm. you created a career and you were like an aspiration around that duck and it almost sounds like it triggered you into the career path that you've taken mm. is this overexertion one way and it's almost a complete opposite of that is what mm. you're doing now you know what i mean i like that perspective i never thought about it that way because yeah right now i would say the duck i left behind is the duck that's leading the crew now exactly it's the head it's the head duck it's the big duck and all the other ducks are a little smaller and they're just but they're still in a row and so wow i like that that was good the, the back and forth polarity behind it. I was one extreme and now I went to the other extreme. The good part is this other extreme I can actually fulfill with a role, with us, with something that not only supports me, but supports other people, which is amazing. Which is what's cool about the world today we live in, right? 
is that there is roles for things that, you know, just make us feel good. And are true to you. And are true to you. They're, they're authentic roles if you really love them and they, they, there's no need to separate yourself from what you're doing. Those are the roles. Those are those, you know, purpose roles, I guess you could call them. You know, where you know that you're here for, like, a, let's say a purpose, you could consider that a purpose role because it's so authentic to you. There's no interchanging. You don't have to do anything extra. You just, you might have to learn some new things along the way. Of course, that's natural. You'll, that'll never end. But at least, you know, like, I love doing this and I love learning about how to do this better. And a lot of that has to do with who I am and my character and who I, just who I am as a person and who I'm being today rather than what am I doing today? just did a bit of a different conversation so i got a question for you hit me being a life coach would come with a lot of a lot of challenges i would assume you know challenges every all of our jobs have a lot of challenges but i think you know even just the name of what you do a life coach Mm. the title there even feels like there is like a weight to it like (laughs) coaching someone through their life what are some challenges that you face in your current role that you think weigh heavily on your mental health? It's a good question. Because I think that, you know, it's almost a, just a position to be in a life coach position. Like one would perceive that you couldn't deal with mental, like you coach people through mental health. Like, so why would you, so is there, let, let's paint the audience a picture here. What are some things that you think play and weigh on your mental health within your current role and your current aspirations? The good part is I'm very aware of this. So I'm very, very open and ready to answer this question because I have this conversation a lot with myself as well as a few of the fellow coaches that I'm friends with. Uh, There are a lot of pressures that come with being a life coach. One of the biggest ones is the perception of your own life. A lot of people are looking at you. And one of the challenges is if you are going to support people in that way, you better be supporting yourself first in that same way. Because if you're not, you're breaking your word, you're breaking your integrity, and you're going to feel like crap. So there's a bit of an image you feel you need to uphold. And what I recognized about that is for a really long time, it sucked. (laughs) I loved my role. I loved what I was doing. But it, it sucked because there were certain areas where I felt like I was helping and then I wasn't perfect in yet. And I think that's that's what I recognize is that's a trap. Is that people look at life coaches and think life coaches are perfect. If you're going to coach me on being better in life, that you better have life figured out. The hilarious part of it is no one does. There are no people who have life perfectly figured out. And that will never happen. So what I had to work on for my own side of that is getting beyond that and it was hard and it is it still is let's take for example my nighttime journal right i support people with journaling a lot of the time because i I know the validity and the importance of it having a conversation with someone a week or two ago and i was bringing up how i believe that night journaling would really help you and having that self-praise practice because i've done that and i know how valid it is the challenge in that moment was i had fallen off that habit for about two weeks because I was struggling to uphold that. But I was telling someone else to do that. And some people are going to be thinking, okay, well, you know, I'm not going to hire him now because he's not doing the practices. So why should I be expected to do the practices? And that's the hilarity of the whole process, again, is that I'm going to show you and all of the other life coaches are probably going to show you all the great stuff they do and all the things they, they do 
all the time or sometimes just to make sure you know like there's importance behind that but there's not a lot of consistency and before i had that two-week gap oh i was all over it i was perfect at it i didn't miss a day i felt like it was the best thing i had ever done and now i'm getting myself back into it for those two weeks I, I just, it was hard for me to do. There was some, some mental challenges that I was going through, some life challenges I was going through that I had to, not even that I had to, that were overwhelming me. And so my thought- yeah, you were a human. Exactly, I'm a human, right? And so that's the inter- the hardest part is that sometimes if I, like, I miss something like that, then I feel like even though no one knows except me, they're judging me. I almost feel like there's always a camera in my life. And I, I, I'm pretty open with my life. If you follow me on Instagram, at Coach Kyle Rushton, you'll know I'm very open. There's not really much I hide. There's hilariousness stuff. There's jokes. There's fun. There's life. I show you life. And I know that for a lot of people, that doesn't resonate because it needs to be perfect in them for, order, for them to order. In order for them to think that, okay, let's, let's, let's allow him to be in my space and support me. That's a challenge. And I know that because I'm authentic. And I'm getting more authentic. And I want people to know that authenticity is the route to go because that's what's going to bring you the most peace of mind. But I, I know that a lot of people, and this is going to sound terrible, but they're good with the fake vision of what perfect looks like over here. So they're going to jump to that. They just don't know what's going on in the back end. Mm-hmm. But they're good with that because there's a picture. There's a societal picture. Oh, perfectness. Got it. Attached to that. Oh, not so perfect and messy. Mm. That doesn't really sound like fun. I'm good, you know. So that, I think that's one of the biggest challenges. Um, and to support you in that in in that challenge and feeling like that's a big challenge, how many of us know what's good for us but don't do it? Mm-hmm. Like I had to I had to face I had well to said. I had to face my own reality a couple like you know a couple of months ago where I was feeling like you know like that swagger that I didn't have and like all that the, I lost my mojo and it was like dude you know all the things to do. <laughs> <laughs> like you literally know it's how many times can i tell myself i know i know how to get anwar going like i've done i know the meditation i know go to sleep at this time i know the eight hour i know the foods to eat but you're just not doing it that's why your life is looking like this right now you're not doing the things that you know to do mm-hmm. so as a life coach it's if i'm giving you advice on you should eat good and eat right. If I'm not doing that, that's still the right advice for this situation. 100%. That's still the right answer to this situation. And so, and as a coach, my job is to remind you what you're missing. Your job is to kind of go in there and be like, Anwar, you're not doing this. You're not doing that. You're not doing, it has nothing to do with like what I'm doing in my life. It's what I'm coaching you through. Because being a part of the coaching spaces, I know that when I get into those mindsets, I have the answers, mm-hmm. right? I've built such a large system of tools and practices that I know how to get back in there way faster than I than anything really. Like that's the, that's the whole purpose of it is not just getting new tools and giving you or basically having you see the insight within yourself of oh I have that answer I know I'm now I just need someone to maybe say it because sometimes I don't like to listen to my own voice. That's a big component of it too, but. Not only that, what we're doing is like, how do you get from point A to point B faster now? Or point B back to point A is, is I guess, a better way to put it. And that's what, I, that's what I know about myself. So even though sometimes I do feel like it's a challenge, I'm very aware that I have the right tools and the right strategies. And I'm actually even just 
continuing to add more to the bucket of that world. And that helps my mental health. That helps my space. And again, I know that I'm being as authentic as possible. And so that feels good to me. And I just don't want to steer away from that ever. So as long as I can continue to do that, if that means my journey is a little slower, the funny part is I think slower is an interesting concept too. Like how fast do I want this to go? Like it's almost as if I'm expecting results and where I want to be tomorrow. I don't, I say almost as if I think it's sometimes the actual reality. (laughs) (laughs) And I know I've been there many times. So I think that answers your question. I don't know if there's more that you want to pull out of me in regards to the initial question. No, no, no. That's, that's a good, is that the, is that the number one thing that you think plays on your mental health in your job? That pressure? I would say so. That's, that's the one. I would say so. It's putting, it's, it's almost like the idea of putting up a front sometimes I think it, it plays into a bit. But what I also recognize too, is that if I don't put a lot of emphasis on filling my own cup up, then I actually won't be able to serve you well as a life coach. And that's, I would say that's the second challenge is if I don't spend enough time investing in myself, in my development, in my learning and in my care, whether it's a walk or a morning routine or a night routine or whatever, if I don't invest in those things, I'm going to show up to you half ass and that's not okay. I need to show up to you fully every single time. And that's what I vow with all my clients. They'll show up fully, which means on the back end, I better be doing a hell of a lot of work and it's not exhausting work, which is nice. Um, it is, I just know that there's so much intention and purity behind it. So I feel really good about it, but it is a lot and it does take up my days because it is a requirement for my position and for what I want to do and how I want to support. So mm-hmm. there's a huge level of like self care in order to be able to overflow and give to my, my clients. So I would say that's the second one. So to tie the loop on things, I actually have a really interesting question for you. Okay. I was thinking about this in regards to my own experience with going from cactus to now being a life coach and doing something that I feel like really serves me, but it took me years to make that decision. It took me so long and I almost didn't even really feel good making the decision at first. It was so stressful. I was so anxious. I, I hated the process, but I knew it was important. So I knew at some point I just had to make it. Do you think that the need or the feeling of the need to have a career and be the provider affects us as men pursuing what actually fulfills us? Do you feel like we get lost in the world of pursuing other people's dreams and other careers that are more statutory outside of what we feel is actually really valuable and authentic to us because of the stresses of needing a career as a man and being the provider as a man. I feel like there's a big influence in that, or do you feel like it's otherwise? Oh, a hundred percent massive influence. Mm. The amount of people that I, the amount of people that you could just listen to talk, you can just hear that they, they don't have an identity outside of their career. You can hear it. They are their career. They are. And even to their family, like even to their, um, the people that they care about the most, they lose their name and they, they become their job title. And I think that that is not because they want to do that, but because that's where they think that they can get validation from. That's where they think that they will be recognized and seen. And when we look at life like job titles, you lose yourself in that. And so I think that, of course, 100%. And so idea- what's the influence of that on our mental health then? 
because what we're having a conversation obviously here coming full circle is the men's mental health space and how our careers are affected by that. So if we're not pursuing the things that we want to, or that we feel are a lot more in line with who we are, and maybe they're more of like a, a labor job that we just know is going to bring in the money, but it's not what we want to do. How, from your perspective, would that affect mental health? And what are the repercussions of that affecting our mental health? How far does it go down the line? Well, I think mental health isn't, a, a, mental health doesn't support titles. It supports you, right? Your mental health doesn't support, like your mental health is about you. So if you're out of the equation and it's your job title, of course your mental health is going to suffer because your mental health is a you thing, right? So basically by saying I'm a job title, you basically are saying my mental health doesn't matter. Right. You just throw that in the garbage because in order for your mental health to be in the forefront, the Kyle duck that was way back there needs to be recognized. Otherwise mental health is out the, out the window. It doesn't exist. It's not here. And so when you put yourself first and then all these other titles that you are underneath you, then mental health is on. It's the world because we understand that I got to take care of me. Anwar becomes the recruiter, becomes the friend, becomes the all these other titles that we sign up for. And if you can continue to pile them on underneath you, that's fine. The second they become above you, you're in, you're in dangerous water. You're flirting with dangerous water. You're flirting with dangerous time. Because it's, it's literally just a ticking time bomb when your mental health just... It's at that point, it's like the clock has started. We'll see how long your mental health can handle mm. what you're putting it through. So you bring up something super interesting because I think that the mindset a lot of men is to not be at the top of the of the totem pole, right? Not be at the top of the, I guess, this hierarchical vision if you were to look at it from that realm. Us would be at the top, like me, my my Kyle Duck, right? My character, my every who everybody who I am, and then everything would fall below that. But that's I actually feel is the way more rare side of men in this world is that they're at the top. It's always the job role, the job title, and then family and relationships. And they're usually at the bottom. How can we, or what are you doing or what can we do as a collective to reframe that? Cause I know how I did it is I basically said F the whole process and I'm, <laughs> I'm going to try and do this. That is so far out of the, out of that process. But I know that's not always feasible. Although sometimes it's, it's the needed option. How can we move? How can we reshift this triangle? Because right now the triangle is upside down, mm-hmm. right? We're, we're at the bottom. We need to reframe that triangle and be us up at the top. What, it, what are some ways you think we could do that? I think you got you to gotta stop playing the rat race game of trying to impress other people. That's number one. You got to stop trying to find validation in other things and find validation within yourself. Mm. You know, Because if other people don't value you taking care of you, well, then you by you subscribing to that, what does it do for you? Nothing does absolutely nothing. Right. So it's unfortunately, yes, people are going to get, you know, rewarded for high stature and all these things. And the game will always be played. The games of the world will always be played. Your job as an individual is to choose what games you want to play and which ones matter to you. Because if, if, if the world validates checkers and you don't want to play checkers, then don't play checkers because you're ultimately more important. You don't have to do things other people's way. You only have to do things your way Mm. and find the, your way in everything that you do. You know, if you get into a new job and the last person was successful because they put in 10 hours a day and that's the blueprint that's on the wall, it's not show up and adopt the blueprint that's on the wall. You're a whole nother human being. 
Maybe I can do it in eight. Mm -hmm. Maybe I can do it in five. The reality is that I need to just find out what the target is. What did he do in 10 hours? That's what you need to find out. And then do it your way. And if you can't figure it out in eight hours, and you got to put in 10. Once you figure it out in 10, how do you carve it back to eight? And how do you fight for eight? Right? It's, 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 this is a matter of like, stop just like prescribing to how people are living their life. Watch it and then figure out how to do it your way. And ultimately that will get you more aligned with authenticity. That will get you more aligned with you being you. And when you start to validate the fact that you care about how you feel authentically, then you won't allow the game to change you. Cause you're so, you know what it feels like to feel aligned with who you are and that feeling will never be compromised for any game that's being played out there, any sort of hidden validation, any of that. So when you get over the whole, like, you know, man up space, the whole men don't cry. When you get over that and you're like, if you're, if you're, for example, the, well, let's just use the man crying thing. Why won't a man cry at some point? Because he thinks he's, he's worried about the perception of everyone else. Right. But if I'm okay with bawling and I'm okay. I don't need your validation for if I'm a man or not a man. This was an emotional situation. The emotions came over me. I cried. All that changed there was I don't need you to validate me. You don't validate me. So I'm, I'm living a more expressed life because I care about me. And right now my body wants to react like this. But what's happening is that we don't allow ourselves to react because we're too wired in. We're too into the game. And so now I'm just playing the game and I'm not playing it for myself. AKA start the timer on that mental health. Tick tock, tick tock. Because as long as you're playing their game, there's no way your mental health is going to, there's no way your mental health is going to survive that. It's just, it's literally a race against figuring out how to stop playing the game mm. and how to start playing your game. Mm. And then there's, there is unfortunately a, a massive learning curve with that, but it's a better learning True. curve, right? Because once you start playing your game, mm. it's a whole new set of rules. It's like, it's another game that you got to overcome. And you, you realize like, damn, I was really like, I don't like that. I like this, but then now you got to incorporate this into your schedule. And it's, it's a whole new game you got to learn. And there's going to be a, there's going to be its punches. You're going to learn that, oh, I got to do this and I got to do that. And there's, but once you learn how to play that game, you're now you're, now you're in the rat race you want to be in because mm. you're, every time you do something, it's for you. Every time you, every day, it's your way. It's the way you want to be. It's the way you feel right. So I'd rather deal with the obstacles that come with me playing this game my way than the obstacles that comes with me playing the game your way, mm. because your way doesn't give a shit about my mental health but my way does. I love that. There's, there's so much value in everything that you just said. And I loved it so much. And there's so many things I want to pull, but for time's sake, um, I'm, I'm just going to adjust it to just a few. One, something that I, I often preach and you've heard me say this before is if there is no you, there's nothing else. It's one of my favorite things I think I've ever said out loud. And I don't even know where it came from, but I believe it so firmly is if there is no you, there is no job, there is no family, there is no friends, there's no happiness, there's no nothing. That has to start with you first. You are the beginning stage of it all. And if that isn't existing because you're ignoring it, then there is nothing else. Sure, theoretically there's a job, there's theoretically there's a family, but is any of it feeling good? 
are you enjoying any of it? Mm-hmm. Is any of it making you happy? No. A lot of times, no, because you aren't being focused on. There's no, there's no value there. So if there is no you, there is nothing else. The second component I heard you say was a lot of perception, right? Which is fear of judgment. And what I love and perfect timing, divine timing to be reminded of this is we get to choose what people judge us on because they're going to. They're going to no matter what. But we get to decide what they're going to judge us on for. So we might as well do something we actually enjoy because they're going to do it anyway. And that was one barrier I had to get over with my process is if I'm going to go out on this route, I'm going to be judged just like right now I'm being judged, but is what I'm doing now fulfilling me? And it doesn't feel like I'm living authentically in this role and, and also being judged That's a double negative. That's a double painful moment, right? Mm-hmm. So I might as well go enjoy it. I might as well go live it and be judged on that instead. Cause at least I'm happy. Mm-hmm. At least I'm fulfilled. Third, third component, it was the, I guess the, the idea of, oh my gosh, I don't want to lose it. The example was this morning or this afternoon, we went to Starbucks, right? And we got a drink. We got a specific drink, right? And this is where the judgment comes through. For our lovely friend, Chris, uh, listening in right now, watching us, I'm going to throw him under the bus for a second. He got a vanilla frap, okay? Right? Now, with an espresso shot. With an espresso shot with whipped cream. Just want to add that layer in there. <laughs> now, we laugh, but the reason I'm bringing this up is because we had a bit of a joking moment about it, but the reality is in our, in our world, that's not like a thing the man would drink. So for him, he wouldn't order it. Let's say, uh, theoretically speaking, he wouldn't order it because he would be judged as you're a girly man or something like that. There would be a perception change when in reality... That's authentically Chris's drink. Chris likes a vanilla frappe with espresso. There's nothing wrong with Chris wanting a vanilla frappe and espresso today. Nothing. Nothing. We smile and we laugh because it was a joking moment this morning. But there's nothing wrong with that. That doesn't make him less. They're really good, by the way. Exactly. So you all know. Sugar. I don't know why we're all lying here. But that is the hilarity of the process is we judge that as, in a way, him being less of a man. When it has absolutely nothing to do because that's authentically Chris. So that actually makes Chris more of a man. Mm-hmm. It makes him more masculine because he is not living by a code of somebody else. He's living by his own and doing what he loves and what's authentic to him. And so that's the same thing with our career, right? It's the same thing. You can do whatever you want and know that there will be people that will judge you somewhere along the lines, but that's okay. It's your life. It's your life. It's your life, Chris. anyways that was everything that i pulled out of what you said and again we could talk about that for a really long time but there was just so much value i heard in what you said so it needed to be continued if you're a man you like bellinis go ahead order a bellini amen i can't remember last time i had one but people gotta get on it look i didn't ask for whipped cream they kind (laughs) of Sunday, you know, I'm in a good mood and everything. I thought I, w- I thought this was a safe space as <laughs> a modern masculinity podcast, but uh, I'm, I'm happy we went full circle and dissected. Absolutely, that great, Chris. Great, great point, Coach Kyle. So you know what time it is. The episode's coming to an end, and it is your boy CK with the PQ for you. And next week we have a really fantastic topic. A very popular one. You know what it is. 
do nice guys finish last? We know we had this conversation lots on the men's side and the women's side. So let's just wrap it up. Let's redefine it right here, right now in this podcast. We'll see you next week. What's up, everybody? Thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Modern Masculinity Podcast. I hope you enjoyed this episode, and we invite you to join us next week as we put out content every single Wednesday. Our goal with this platform is to create a community to support men on their journey of becoming conscious kings. And in saying so, if you took any value out of this episode or previous episodes, please share, download, subscribe. And if you're feeling really up to it, go ahead and leave a review. You can follow us at Modern Masculinity. Remember, the K, it's with a K, not a C, to represent the mask that we wear. And like always, thank you for listening, and we'll see you next week.